Life Audio. We are part of a very big story. And every single one of us who calls on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is a living stone. Every single one of us has a precious and important part to place to play in creating this spiritual house, this place where God dwells. I live my life out as a piece of the dwelling place of God. And I take my little piece that is the dwelling place of God everywhere I go. Today, everywhere you go, you go bringing a dwelling place of God with you. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole, and I am your host, your guide, your pastor for the next few minutes as we engage in scripture together. I'm really, really been excited about this series, and I hope that you guys have been as well. It's been great to connect with you again. You know, we've just been back for a few weeks, and I was spending a little time talking with Life Audio folks and just planning for the future of this podcast. And so I popped over to the reviews, and I just wanted to share this one from Deb Beck One, who said, I just found this study and started with the one on the Abrahamic Covenant. I love how Nicole makes the New Testament take on a new meaning after understanding the Old Testament. Yes, that's exactly what we're doing. (laughs) I'm going to have to play catch up because I love these teachings. God bless you. Well, thank you, Deb. God bless you too. And love hearing from you guys. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to drop a review wherever you listen to your podcast or share it with your friends on your social media, you can tag me in your social media and I will put you in my story. And it's just a way for us to have a little bit more interaction and engagement with each other, which is always a joy for me. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and for jumping into this series. We are looking at this idea that God says he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you may have heard that or sung it in a worship song and never really knew why those three guys get their names put behind God's name and what that's all about. But what we are really talking about as we look at the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we're looking at a God who is faithful to us even when we are fickle, and a God who is faithful to his people. And because of his faithfulness to his people, he is extending that blessing all the way back from really the beginning of civilization through to our day-to-day, and that we have a place in that story. And so that's the big thing that we're talking about together as we engage in this teaching. And we're going to be in the God of Jacob today in Genesis 28, taking a look at what this story is, who Jacob is, and and how we get interested in his life and what he has to teach us. So as we always do, we just follow the alive method, which I outline in my book, Help My Bible is Alive. It's really just four questions that we ask of the text, and we discover together what God has for us. And if we were all in a room together and we took 10 or 15 minutes to read the passage, we would have as many questions as the number of people in the room. So I'm going to hit a few questions that come to my mind as I observe and read this passage. You may have other questions, and that's good. That's wonderful. And that's why I want you to have a study Bible, specifically a study Bible, because your study Bible has a ton of notes and commentary in it that can really help you dive in and discover the treasures of Scripture for yourself. We're going to be diving in a little bit today because I'm excited about the treasure hunt that I just went on as I got ready for this podcast. So we're reading from Genesis 28, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to read from the NIV today. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. 
When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Okay, so we just go through our method. We ask the question, what does this say? What does this really say? We try to see it in our mind. We try to lay out the story in our imagination and begin to ask questions about what stands out to us. And so many questions I have about this passage. What does the dream mean? How does he receive this blessing? Do the stones matter in this story? Because stones, you know, play a prominent role. And what does it mean to call the place Bethel? I've got all of these questions about what is happening here in this story. And you do too. We need to make observations because 
observations give us curiosity and curiosity sets us on the path of discovery and discovery is where we have wonder for who God is. Discovery is where we place ourselves underneath the mystery, the power, the majesty of God, and we show up expecting the living holy word that we get to hold, this word of God, this inspired word. We sit under it and allow it to inspire us. We allow it to teach us and to guide us forward in our day. So the only way we can do that is by asking questions. And sometimes questions create tension because we don't get all the answers. And today in our short, short podcast, we certainly won't get every answer to this passage, but it gets us into the practice of being okay with mystery. It helps us be in a practice of being okay with wonder and having some unanswered questions, but also seeking what God has for us today. So a couple of things that came to mind as I was reading this, it was interesting to me that it seems like a pretty standard response that humans quake with fear when God shows up. We see this over and over again in scripture. So like something about the holiness, the majesty of God, when God is truly encountered, humans are scared. We are put in our place. We understand ourselves as finite created beings, not all powerful. The next thing I see in Genesis, the verses 13 and 15 is that when God is speaking to Jacob in the dream, it sounds like he's repeating the covenant that he made when he says, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac. He really basically verbatim repeats the covenant that we've been talking about throughout this series. And then in Genesis 28, I don't know if you notice this in verse 20 and 21, but Jacob responds to God's covenant, God's promise, God's statement of truth about what is going to happen through his descendants. And Jacob responds with, if. He says, if God is with me, if I have clothes to wear, if I have food to eat, if I return safely, if these things happen, then the Lord shall be my God. And I think, huh, Jacob is not totally sold After quaking with fear, after having this like really intense vision slash dream about who God is, he's still not sure. And man, does that feel human. He's like, okay, I know I just had this mysterious and magical and like miraculous dream. And I know what I think I just heard, but I still need you, God, to show up in a certain way. And I'm going to need you to provide for all of my needs and keep me safe. And then if all those things happen, then you'll be my God. And what I love about that, once again, like we talked about last week, it's just so human. It's just so human. We see this in the New Testament too. Jesus feeds the 5,000 like with bread. And then in the very next part of the story, people are asking him for a sign. He's like, I I just gave you a sign. Like miracles Miracles truly exist so that they give the authority to Jesus about what he says. Miracles exist in mysteries and dreams and visions to place authority in what is already true. Miracles themselves don't change our beliefs. Like, what what do we see here with Jacob? It doesn't change his belief. He still isn't sure. He still has to grow in his relationship with God. And truly, our time on earth is about progressive understanding of our relationship with God. And, And God willing, hopefully, it's about progressive deepening in our faith, progressing belief in what God can do, that God is present even in our suffering, that God is there even when we don't perceive him or our feelings betray us, that God is still with us. And this is the story that God's been telling since the very beginning. And that's why we're at the beginning, because we want to understand the story from the beginning so that we can place ourselves rightly within it. 
So, okay, the backstory. After we ask questions, and when we ask, what does it say? We develop some questions. And then we ask, okay, what's the context? What's going on here? And I think it's important to have a little context about what's happened right before this in the passage, because this is the beginning of a story of Jacob's transformation, his human transformation as he encounters God. And where the story really begins with Jacob is that Jacob was the younger brother. He was the younger of two sons. And so the older son would receive the inheritance from the father and receive the primary blessing from the father as the lineage goes, as it was passed down in a family. And if you read back in the story, and you may know this if you're familiar with your Sunday school lessons, Jacob basically swindled his brother out of both his birthright and his blessing. In the first case, he got it right from Esau. He basically fed him a bowl of stew. He was really hungry and was like, hey, if you want the stew, give me your birthright. And Esau, in his own impulsive response, maybe he thought Jacob was joking. I don't know. But he said, sure, you can have my birthright. Just give me that food. I'm starving. And he gets his birthright. <laughs> like it's a, it's a binding conversation. And then in the second part of the story, he goes full on manipulation. He's in cahoots with his mom, Rebecca, and they basically fool Isaac, who's blind at this point, old and blind. They fool Isaac into thinking that he's giving his blessing to Esau, his son, when he actually gives it to his other son, Jacob. So let's just say not the best way to move through the world, not the strongest, most you know, honest way to move through the world. And when we live out patterns of sin, it has an impact. It has an impact on who we are and how we move through the world. And we will see that. I hope maybe I've piqued your curiosity and you might want to continue to read in Genesis and see what happens with Jacob. Watch the progression of his character and of his nature, because we're encountering him pretty early on. We're going to encounter him a little later next week. But in this very early on moment, we we kind of capture like, God, despite Jacob's swindling out the blessing, God himself wants to reaffirm that the covenant blessing will pass through Jacob. Even despite his mistakes, even despite the way that he is living, God still confirms his blessing to him through this dream. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. 
Okay, so what does this mean? And this is where we get into, especially if you have a study Bible, some little bits from commentators and scholars that can be so helpful, especially when we're dealing with the Old Testament and we've got to be able to keep the big story in mind. The Old Testament, the way it's written, and even really the Hebrew way of thinking, does not lend itself to cutting everything up and, you know, kind of going through this process of dissecting everything. We really have to zoom out and say, what's the big story going on here? Because then we can rightfully place a smaller story like this moment with Jacob in the context of a bigger story. So in this passage, in the study notes, it actually says these words, which I love. It says, God is committed to making the earth his dwelling place. And I I just love that thought. Like, This dream is about God being committed to making the earth his dwelling place. And then the study notes go on and they actually refer me back to the intro to Genesis. And it says, go back to the story of the history of salvation summary through the book of Genesis. And I want to read you this little bit from this. This is just from an ESV, English Standard Version Study Bible, very similar to what you'll find in an NIV or NLT study Bible. A study Bible is going to have tens of thousands of notes within it. So it is really one of the best investments you can make if you're serious about understanding God's word. It's basically almost everything you need in just one book right there with you with your Bible. So I went ahead and and flipped back to the beginning of the intro to Genesis. And if you ever get confused in a book of the Bible, if you have a study Bible, skim the intro of the book. This is going to be people who have devoted their lives to the original languages, devoted their lives to the study of theology, who are going to be able to give you a bird's eye view. They're going to say, okay, here's the structure of the book. Here's the meaning of the book. Here's how it's laid out from a literary function. Like, is this poetry? Is this a narrative? Is this a letter? When was it written? Who wrote it? All that kind of stuff you'll find in a book introduction. So if you ever find yourself struggling in your Bible study or struggling to understand something you're reading, you may need to go back and get the bigger picture so that you can land what you're reading within the larger context. So I'm going to read this to you directly. This is about why God was committed and what he was doing when he said to Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob, this will be my dwelling place. I will live among the people. So this is what it says. With the coming of Jesus Christ, the national theocracy of Israel. So what is a theocracy? It is a nation ruled by God. Okay. So the national theocracy of Israel, which is God's people that we see in Genesis that are starting through Jacob's line, is replaced by an international royal priesthood that includes Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles. Although the church becomes the dwelling place of God on earth, evil still remains. Only after the return of Christ and the final judgment will all things be restored and a new earth be created. At that time, the new Jerusalem will mark the completion of the divine project that began in Genesis. John's vision of the new earth in Revelation 21 and 22 has close affinities with Genesis 1 and 2. Okay, did you stay with me? That was a huge thought. If you are like doing dishes, you may have to stop for a minute and really apply your mind here because basically what this is telling us at the beginning of Genesis is that this is a story inside of a bigger story, inside of an even bigger story. So the Jacob dream is a story that's inside a bigger story. The bigger story is that God has come. He is committed to making his dwelling place among his people. He's going to set up a nation, a chosen people where he dwells with and is in relationship 
with his people. That's the bigger story of Genesis. But that bigger story is part of a bigger story. And that bigger story is that this whole promise of a coming king, this whole idea of a nation that will have a God who dwells with them, who's in relationship with them, that's actually fulfilled through the coming of Jesus Christ. And that a chosen people that was a specific nation and a specific people group that started with Abraham's descendants, Isaac's descendants, Jacob's descendants, that people group then becomes the church. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ becomes that people group. That the big story and the bigger story is the story that we are now in. We're in the big story, the big story of Jesus Christ. And so when we read about this blessing and this covenant and this idea, we understand, oh, this is a story that's been developing for thousands of years. Like we are in it. And this whole promise of a coming king is fulfilled through Jesus. And it reaches its ultimate fulfillment when Jesus comes back again, when the earth is created anew and when we're restored to this true, true relationship, full, complete relationship where there is no more tears, there's no more crying or mourning or pain, that there's a new heaven and a new earth where we see culminated in Revelation 21 and 22. How's that for a mouthful and a mindful? <laughs> and I know it's almost so big that it's it's too big to believe. And in a lot of ways, we're like Jacob. We're like, uh, okay, God, but like maybe if you provide for my needs and I have enough food and I have enough clothes to wear and you keep me safe, then I'll go ahead and let you be my God. And that's human. That's a part of the human experience. So all we can really do together is take time in these minutes to say, God, would you increase our faith and would you enlarge our vision and would you just deepen our perspective for where we fit into this world? Because we are very likely to make things smaller than they actually are when God is inviting us into something much bigger. So remember that we notice the stone in the passage, Jacob lays his head on the stone, and then he takes that stone and he places it and he consecrates it, meaning he pours oil on it. He names the place and he commits to say, God, if you keep me safe, if I return to my people, like I will build this temple to you. Like I will make the sanctuary because this is the place that you dwell. That's kind of his last thoughts. And so when we think about this idea of stone, we actually can fast forward all the way into the New Testament. So remember, Jacob is a big story in a bigger story. That's part of a bigger, bigger story. And Jesus Christ is that biggest story that we're in. And so when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ is called the cornerstone, like the stone that sets everything else right. And then we read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. As you come to him, the living stone, meaning Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. We are part of a very big story and every single one of us who calls on Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is a living stone. Every single one of us has a precious and important part to place to play in creating this spiritual house, this place where God dwells. I live my life out as a piece 
of the dwelling place of God. And I take my little piece that is the dwelling place of God everywhere I go. Today, everywhere you go, you go bringing a dwelling place of God with you. So what does this mean for you today? I can't stop thinking about this idea that God is committed to dwelling with us. And so my final question for you today, my friends, is are you committed to dwelling with him? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your scripture. Thanks for the way that it opens up our imagination. Help us, God, even just a little more to believe today that we have an important part to play in this big, bigger, biggest story that you're playing out in the world. And that this same commitment that you made to Jacob to dwell with him is the commitment that you make to us. And so, God, we make ourselves available to dwell with you today. Would you guide us, correct us, lead us, comfort us, and be with us as we go? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for being here. I'll see you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.